Welcome to City Talk with Sabrina Bengal. Hello, Newburn, and welcome to City Talk. It's Friday once again. Cannot believe it. The weeks go by quicker and quicker. It's just amazing how uh, it's every other day is Friday. You know, when I first married Steve, Ella always told me every other day is Friday, and she was right. Um, and don't be scared by what you see. I know I'm really scary, but this is Halloween weekend, and uh, the witch is in the house, and that is with a W, not a B. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, just to clarify, but uh, welcome, and we're so glad to have you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we're going to have a great show today because I've got sitting with me, my co-host this morning is the one and only. Yes, it is. Hug Bobby Astor Day. So welcome, Chief Alderman Bobby Astor. Good morning, and welcome to City Talk. <laughs> well, good morning, Sabrina. Thank you for having me on today. Well, I'm so glad. It's always good to have you Uh in the house, and um, as many times as we've told the community, it's Hug Bobby yesterday, but we had to refrain during COVID because, of course, nobody wanted <laughs> to hug anybody, but uh, we're we're really glad that you're with here, us today, and we're going to have a great, um, you know, we're going to have a great show this morning. You and I are going to talk about a lot of things, Newburn, and uh, your expertise is FEMA, and that's such an important part of what we're doing in the city, but... Um, big weekend coming up just so you know we got so much going on between today and tomorrow so um quickly i want to tell everybody if you can get downtown this morning at nine o'clock we will have the preschool halloween parade down middle street it starts up by the chelsea and they walk down the 300 and 200 block of middle street turn the corner and kind of end on south front street over there but if you want to see something cute and if you've got a preschooler Put them in the wagon, put them in the uh, stroller, dress them up, and come on downtown because it's just so cute. Ha- have you had chance to see oh, that before? Oh yeah, when I was <laughs> when I was fire chief, it was always fun. We used to bring out the the old thirty three and uh-huh. and the clown group for the fire department and participate. And I'm, I'm I think they probably still are participating. I'm not sure. Yeah, I believe they are, and it's really good to see them out there. And, you know, the kids love to see the clowns from the fire department. They do a great job. They go into the schools. They uh, talk about fire safety, but in a great way that makes the kids really happy to see them. So um, really get out there this morning and um, come on down and just stand on the sidewalk, grab you a cup of coffee. Baker's Kitchen Coffee, they tell me to advertise all the time. (laughs) And uh, uh, enjoy the kids. So this, that kicks off a really big weekend that we're having. So um, that starts today. Tomorrow, uh, from 1 to 6 p.m. at Bear Plaza, you'll be able to do carriage rides. So we've got the company coming, coming down with carriage. Um, they've got a big open trolley that's horse-drawn. They're going to be bringing that, so uh, a great time to do that. Then from 4 to 6, the streets will close around 3.30 and from 4 to 6, we will have trick-or-treating in downtown Newburgh. So you can go up and down, and the merchants will be out on the sidewalks passing out candy. And I'll tell you, based on two years ago when we did it full-fledged, we probably gave out anywhere from 1,000 to 1,500 pieces of candy. That's how many kids were down here. That's great. Yeah. Give them a nice, safe place to go and trick-or-treat. Right. And, you know, the merchants love to see them. It helps us show off, hey, here's our store. Come back and sure. visit us sometime. But we will be doing that from 4 to 6 tomorrow in downtown Newburn. Of course, the carriage rides will be going on. At 5 o'clock in Bear Plaza, we will have a costume contest. And we've got Bob, 93.3, um, who will be in Bear Plaza playing from 4 to 6. But at 5 o'clock, they will be doing a costume contest. So get dutied up <laughs> and come on down there. Then at 5 o'clock, all you witches out there. And, um, you know, I have done this before, the witch's ride. So get your bike, decorate it up, and join everybody at 5 o'clock at Union Point, and they will kick off from there and ride around. The witches will ride around downtown. Are you going to ride your bicycle or are you going to ride your broom? I, I, always my broom. <laughs> always my broom. <laughs> they wouldn't, you know, expect anything less from me. But uh, 5 o'clock, that will start. And then at 6.30, there will be... Um, a movie in Union Point Park, The Haunted Mansion. So, my goodness gracious, so much for the family to do tomorrow. It'll be a great day. We want you to come on out and 
uh, join us downtown and uh, I think it's just going to be a, a great time to be there. So much fun for the family, the kids, um, and just our downtown comes alive. Of course, shout out to Newburn Parks and Rec because they're always there, you know, helping to facilitate this, the movie in the park, all of that. So um, I think it'll be a, you know, a great day. Come on out. If you want some more information, you could go to, um, first of all, visit newburn.com or newburnnc.gov where we've got it under our Parks and Recreation. And I don't know, it might be, is it on the front page, Nee? Yes, it is. Or you can just search Halloween activities. Okay, and it'll be right there. And all of this is free. So no cost to do any of this. Great time to get out and, and do something with the kids. So I really wanted to let everybody know what was going on. Of course, tonight, if you really, if you don't have your tickets, Nelly in concert as part of Mumfest Month, We'll be at Lawson Creek Park. The gates open at 4.30. The first act starts at 6. Nellie will come on somewhere between 9 and 9.30, and tickets are still available. You can purchase tickets at the gate. Parking will be at the Temple and Temple Baptist Church and YMCA area there. They will provide shuttles to get you back and forth to the entrance of the park. Uh, but you certainly can buy your tickets, or you can still go online. Um, and I don't know what that site is. If you want to bring that up, um, you can go to the net for the Nelly concert tonight. Um, he will be here in Newburn shortly. I understand he's arriving. He's going to rest up and he's going to get ready to rock Newburn. So I'll be honest with you. I, I don't know who he is. It's not, in, it's not one of my genres, but that's okay. I'm so glad that so many people are excited. I'm so glad that it kind of crosses over to different genres and uh, there he is we're going to also be having it looks like walker country and jake sutton uh etix.com and uh we want to thank riverside uh auto and dustin tyson and his group for being the uh title sponsor of that so uh, he does so much for the community oh my god you know, I, but I have to shake him every now and then. He doesn't want to let loose of that stuff so I have to shake him but uh, you know I appreciate him so much and I appreciate, you know, his family and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he's got a great business out there. And we have a lo lots of people, you know, shout out to Toyota as well. They do a lot to help us as well. And we really appreciate it. So buy cars, everybody, if you can get them. The problem is there's none on the lots, is there, Bobby? <laughs> it's kind of slim out there. But I have to say, though, I think um, Dustin's lot has probably more cars than any of the other lots that I've looked at. Well, knowing Dustin, he probably, yeah. you know, digs and scratches and gets them out there. So, you know, uh, kudos to him and everything that's going on. So a lot going on in New Bern. It's, it's Halloween time. Uh, it's always a great season. Hopefully the weather looks like it's clearing up. It looks like we're, the sun's trying to come out now. I think it's going to be great. Tomorrow will be great. So get on out and enjoy our, uh, you know, our city. So again, I'm really glad to have you here today. And, you know, one thing I have to tell you about um, Chief Bobby Astor the man knows his stuff when it comes to FEMA, and we are beyond blessed and fortunate to have him not only as our alderman, but as you know somebody who understands that process because it is confusing. It is it is painful at times because it's so slow. But um, we couldn't do what we do. I mean, that hurricane would have devastated Newburn if we did not have FEMA funds to help us through. Oh, it, it would have been it would have been something. It would have. We'd have had to raise taxes, uh, all the money that we spent, you know. What did you responding. do? You know what the price tag was from fee, uh, from um, Hurricane Florence to the city of New Bern, just to the city of New Bern? Um, it was, I, last I heard, it was around $14 million, I think. And that's, you know, our ad valorem taxes, we take in about $13 million mm -hmm. in ad valorem taxes, and that's got to pay, pay police and fire and parks and rec and all the things, public works that we do in the city. So that... What we spent is more than what we take in. It was it was funny because right after the hurricane, um, I asked the city manager. I said, "You got any idea as to how much money this is going to cost the city?" Because we were talking about different um, options for FEMA, and he said, "You know," he said, "We're going to probably have three to five million. I said, "No way." I said, "We got more debris than that." You know, I told him that we were looking probably closer to nine to ten million dollars, and I think it ended up being just at fourteen million dollars. And that's one of the reasons that many people hear us say we're we're constantly asking, "What's our fund balance? Where are we at? What percentage? 
you know, what is a good percentage to have? And the reason we're so, that's such an important point for us as aldermen is because um, that's our cushion. Yeah. Because when these things happen, you've got to pay the cash out up front and then FEMA reimburses you. And that process is painful to say the least because of the documentation required. Yeah, well, you know, um, we're three years, better than three years out now, and we're still dealing with FEMA. And to be honest with you, it hasn't been that long ago, maybe within the past eight months, that we finalized Irene. And that was what, in 2014, 2013? No, wait a second, that was 2012, I think. Somewhere. 2011, 2012, yeah. yeah. So um, amazing that, uh, you know, it takes that long. So this is an ongoing process. It's constant, and there's different components to it, you know. And the problem is, it's so confusing to me. I mean, you're just a whiz at it. But it's so confusing to me because you've got grants that you can get from FEMA. We've heard about the 428 grant many times. And the 428 grant is basically saying, here's what happened. Here's the damage. Straight out, we need replacement value. Um, You know, for example, Stanley White. And you put it out there. Sometimes you get it and sometimes you don't. And we really rolled the dice on that one. And we were able to receive, you know, close to $8 million between insurance and uh, FEMA funds in a grant. Yeah. It took three years. It did take three years. But And we're still we're still battling with them. I mean, this, you know, the city wanted to use the uh, design-build concept uh, to save time. So we didn't and have money. To, and, and money. And money. That's right. But we wanted to get a building started as quickly as possible just to find out that someone's opinion um, FEMA won't accept design build contractors without a waiver. Well, that's I've never heard that before. So uh, Wednesday morning I started working on that. And hopefully we'll have an answer to that sometime. In fact, my FEMA. Uh, um, the people I turned to for FEMA all the time to ask questions that they had never heard of it. So they were going to do, had to do some research. Well, yeah, and it goes to the state of North Carolina, too. The state of North Carolina says you can't make price be the reason you you Cor- do a, a contract like that. That's right. It has to be but, qualifications and but other the, things. But the state of North Carolina will accept a design build right. contractor. Right. But the but federal government will not. Apparently not. So, but I've got some And because people... we're using federal funds, we have to follow federal guidelines. Correct. Is that correct? That's correct. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's really confusing to us. And you would think, sorry, government, federal people, that they would want you to do the cheapest and most effective method because it saves funds. You know, we're, we've got a set amount of money. We want to, you know use the most funds we can to make that building the most effective. We don't want to spend it in architect fees. and Because what happens, and we were, that's why we went this route, is you pay the architect and you have to go through that whole process. Then you pay the builder with a design build. It's all put all into in one. one and you don't have the cost. Yeah. And I think it's probably the architect's lobbyists. And, so my, and, and my argument to FEMA this week was that We've we've been without the the community has been without a center now for over three years over three years and we want to build a building back as quickly as possible to start serving the community and uh, that's the reason why we went with the design build concept as um, it's it's all in one house I mean you know if we have to hire an architect we architect we have to go out for an RFQ right RFQ for the architect which may take. I don't know, months, a month or two. Right. And then he has to design a building. And, and that is and, the slowest process. And that may take, if you're lucky, maybe at eight to nine, ten months. I know. And then we have to go out on bids for a contractor to start building. So with the design build concept, you know, I think we could get it down to an eight-month period or something like that, get the building designed and start construction. Right. I, I, I totally agree, and we're with you. So uh, we have a fan of, of our board, and just a shout-out to Mike Duffy. He says he has confidence in Alderman Astor to resolve <laughs> FEMA issues. And thank you, Mike. We appreciate your support all the time. I think he, he knows how hard we all work, and we're all trying to um, – we're all trying to do the best we can for our citizens. And, you know, your knowledge of FEMA and how it works has been a real benefit to us. And that early on, I remember this, within a week, 
of the storm happening, you were like, we need a consultant, we need it now, we need to hire this gentleman because he is an expert in FEMA and he will guide us through the process. And that was Corey, I'm sorry, I don't know his last name, but um, and he is a, a FEMA consultant and he works with FEMA and he has been worth his weight in gold. I'm gonna be honest he, with he, you. He has <laughs> been. And the reason why um, they changed the, the delivery uh, um, concept of FEMA uh, back when I was doing Irene and some of the other hurricanes, they FEMA would send people to Newburn, representatives to Newburn, and they would go out on site. They would look at the damage. They would write up what we call a project worksheet. You know, we would work together to make sure that everything was included, and then they would submit it, and that was it. And it doesn't work like that now, you know. So you have the manpower and. No, and, and all that. And now someone in Atlanta, Georgia, is telling us what we need to do to our building here in Newburn, North Carolina. That's never even seen it. That's never even looked at it. That's right. Yeah. I just, that's craziness to me. But Corey has been steadfast. He's been on task. And, you know, I don't think the public really understands. I mean, you're sometimes meeting two and three times and four times a week yeah. for the past three years in trying to resolve every issue. So when we talk about ditches, which a lot of our flooding came from overgrown, um, mm -hmm. damaged ditches. We're talking about, what, 82 miles yep. of ditches in our community, and everyone has to have an individual write-up worksheet. By an engineer. <laughs> okay, by an engineer, and has to have it all detailed when you think about 82 miles. So, you know, working that, trying to get it done, you make one mistake, you put one word out of line and they reject it and send it back. So having a consultant helped us not make those mistakes that most towns and communities that's would right. make. And that's been a good thing. You know, the ditch project that, that we received was probably um, the best thing that could happen to Newburn as oh, far as drainage is right. concerned. Uh, um, back during Irene, uh, one of my FEMA friends named Bob Bass was here and it had already closed. We could no longer submit any project worksheets, but we were out riding around, and he said, you know, he said, I'm wondering why. We stopped over there on um, Washington Street and looked at a ditch, and he said, I'm wondering the reason why, if we could prove that the debris in these ditches were hurricane-related, why FEMA wouldn't pay. So after this storm, this last storm that we had, um, I made mention to Corey. I said, you know, we got a lot of debris in our ditches. Let's let's write it up. He'd never heard of it. Hmm. He had never heard of, of FEMA paying. It ended up that FEMA granted Newburn up to $36 million. Incredible. To clean out our ditches. And we were given permission under what's called Cat A. We were given permission to take out, um, I think it was 372000 thousand cubic yards of dirt or sediment in the bottom of the ditches and so that's what we're doing now you know we've got um our our uh, interim public works director uh, george Childs is doing an excellent job you know it's it's a lot of work it is a lot of work you know we have to have an engineer to go out and walk the ditch certify that the debris that was in the ditch is a storm related debris they have to write up the the um, scope of work, and then they have to go out on bids for it, and it's just it takes forever. Yeah, to do but it. We are currently working on those ditches. We are, yeah, and uh, making some headway. We're getting in there, and you know, I I, I want to give a shout out to our colleague um, Alderman Best because she had, you know, ditches were a lot of the issues she had flooding in her ward. And she's been really on this, and um, she's probably learned more than I have because I didn't have the ditch problems she had in her ward um, as far as, um, you know, walking them, understanding them, and uh, really working to make sure this work is getting done so we don't have these future incidents. And that question that she had the other night was um, about the ditch along the railroad track. Okay. That was actually in the... Um, amendment to the contract that we approved the other night. Okay, so she that, just didn't have the the description. I see. So we are, and you know that's a big problem over there too. And we've gotten permission finally from the railroad, thanks to you, to dig that underneath the the tracks to try to get some of that water out. 
That's always was a hassle. I mean, we we would always go down to the. I reckon is it I Street or you know it's over there on Rose. And yeah, right there. And, by the you know where it would flood, and we would set up these big pumps and um, throw the the lines across the railroad tracks and pump them on the other side into that bigger canal and and pump down actually the water in in the uh, Duffyfield community and. Uh, it became an issue with the railroad, you know, you can't put those lines across the track. I said, well, you know, I said, we're going to either put the lines across this track and you can come provide us with a flagman if you want, or you're going to be responsible for all this flooding that's taking place Amen. over here. And it was like, oh, yeah, we'll get you a flagman right out yes. there. So, <laughs> so we were able to pump down the area uh, fairly quick. Right, and also, too, this has spurred on where we've gotten some additional grants. You know, we're doing some mitigation work there, um, Biddle Street. We we did the Biddle Street Pond as a result of Irene and mm -hmm. trying to get some of the water there. But now um, the city has um, acquired lots uh, that we can't build on anyway, and we're creating additional ponds so that the water has somewhere to go. And that hopefully is going to help in the drainage of an area that, you know, historically has never drained. Yeah, it has to. And we are also putting permanent um, pipes under the railroad track so we don't have to worry about asking um, the railroad <laughs> and fighting with them each time. But that in itself was a job, trying to get permission to do that. So. Right. So Mike's saying $36 million for ditch work is $1,200 for every man, woman, and child in New Bern. And uh, it, it's true, but, you know, flooding, think about – when the water backs up and it floods your home, your business, whatever, think about the the tens of millions of dollars of damage that is sure. received because these ditches aren't cleaned and dredged out and um, working properly so that the water can flow so we don't have backup. That's right. And it's not only cleaning them out with this project also, which is called is under a Category A, but um, what the Cat D side of it will allow us to do permanent work, which means we can go in and replace um, head walls that may have been damaged. We can put um, gravel and gra a riffraff, whatever uh -huh. it's called, along with the, the ditch banks where it had eroded. Uh, take out some trees along the ditch banks where there was, you know, um, it creates a problem, can, right. it creates blockages. But you know, that that was a huge part of this. I mean, that's going to be a lot more money than just the clean out. Right. But Sabrina, can you imagine? how hard it is to dig two foot of sediment out of a ditch that's miles back in the woods. You know, we, we had to actually build roads to get to, to, get to them alongside of the ditch so we could get them cleaned out. And, and the, these contractors, they get paid by the amount of debris they bring out of the ditches. So, uh, and there's a monitor, you know, FEMA requires us to have a, a, a third-party monitor on site, and they record the dump truck that hauls it to the landfill, and then there's another monitor at the landfill waiting to receive that dump truck, and he records that they have dumped it. You know, it's just amazing. I guess for people who have abused the system in the past, they have to, you know, verify and do all right. of that, but it's a lot of work and a lot of effort, and I'm just so thankful for your efforts and Corey's efforts that we were able to, um, you know, receive the funds that we need to do it. Now, with that being said, you and I know this is all well and good, but if we can't maintain those ditches that's going right. forward, that's an issue because they get back in the same shape that they have now. So, you know, it's incumbent upon us as the aldermen to include funds and make sure that we've got a crew that can get around and maintain them because we do have complaints from citizens. You get them, I get them, just saying, hey, my, di my ditch is, yep. is filled, it's overgrown, I need to clean it out. And sometimes ditches go behind people's homes. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of people will think that because there's uh, weeds and debris and stuff like that alongside the ditch, it, it, it interferes and clogs the ditch up, and that's not necessarily true. Right. You know, sometimes that debris that's growing on that ditch bank Although it may not be pretty, but it, it helps hold the ditch bank in place. Right. So, you know, we're, we're where we can't really mess with a whole lot of, of that, um, that debris that's grown up. We can cut it, but we can't disturb the roots. <laughs> Everything's got an issue and a thing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's major, the major part of what FEMA's doing and 
how uh, we have to work with them. But every day we continue to have issues, just like with the Stanley White Center. You know, they, they had to see us through that whole process, the environmental assessment, you know, the funding of the money. And, and again, we don't have the money in hand. It's not like they write you a check and you put it in your bank account. We have to start building it. We have to go ahead and pay for pay things. For it. And then we get reimbursed. And that's how FEMA works. So, uh, again, that, back to that healthy... Uh, you know, fund balance, mm-hmm. we need to have money in the bank in that quote unquote savings account so that we can pay for these things up front and then get reimbursed. And that's why we try to put, I think we've agreed as a board of aldermen, a minimum 25% fund balance in our account. And we've been anywhere between 30 and 35. So we're probably over what we think our minimum should be. But as you see, if we're putting out the money, we need to have a way to you know, uh, and it, it takes it takes a while for FEMA to reimburse us. I mean, we can submit um, bills and, all day long, and, all right? day long, <laughs> and it, and you know, and Kim does an excellent job. And yeah, shout out to our interim finance director. <clears throat> she does an excellent job in in getting the uh, invoices together and the proper paperwork together and sending them off so we can be reimbursed. And you know we're, we're reimbursed by the state of North Carolina, so that does help a little bit. But it still takes. So any- what you're saying, so the money comes from the federal government to Raleigh. Correct. And then we apply to Raleigh, who oversees the distribution of those funds. That's correct. See, and we're one of the only in a few states that um, where the state of North Carolina pays the 25%. So FEMA pays 75%, and the state of North Carolina pays 25%. I wonder what the reason. So in other states, FEMA pays 100%? Uh Either that or they pay 75%. I'm not sure. You know. So, hey, I don't care. You know, it's important that we have the funds to do what we're doing. And, and again, you know, we wouldn't have been able to rebuild Stanley White no. if we didn't have those funds. So that was, you know, great news to us. And then, you know, damages to City Hall. We had a lot of damage to City Hall. Right. We had water intrusion, that rain and um, uh, it damaged all the plaster, the historic fa- interior fabric of the building. So through FEMA funds... You know, we were able to get some money to repoint the building and do some other things on the exterior. Yeah, originally we wanted to, we, we requested to put some a sealant on the outside of the building. Well, I knew that wasn't going to fly because we had tried that with the Dunn building. Right, <laughs> years ago. <laughs> so, of course, FEMA denied the, the clear sealant. And um, I think they need to revisit that because some of these sealants now have... Um, oh, I'll tell you, work is underfoot. So, you know, the... Yeah. Um, County is having a real issue with the courthouse and water intrusion. Of course, we're having it in City mm-hmm. Hall. We did all that work, and the water's now coming through the wall again. Um, right behind me, as a matter of fact, I yeah. turned around the other day, and I went, whoa. So, um, you know, but, we're, we're, we're going to work on that. There are some new products. Um, we're, we're looking to the um, national level to work with them to see some of the new products that are out there, and we're we're working together. So right. I, I can recall – back during Irene on the Dunn building um, where we actually put our public works department put a sealant on the inside of the building right on the walls right and FEMA denied the claim yeah they, they, they withdrew our funds as a result yeah, of doing that you have that. to be really careful so and that's the thing we need somebody that's experienced with FEMA like yourself like Corey that will um, really guide us through the process. I mean, you know, a great example of not having somebody to guide you through the process is the uh, Trent Court situation. So you've got 12 damaged buildings that have been sitting empty since Florence, so over three years, and they still do not have, you know, resolved FEMA funds and, and clarification going forward to take those buildings down and to receive the funds they need to take the buildings down. So. Um, you know, early on, you know, yourself and myself, we, the mayor, we begged the housing authority to hire a consultant to work with Corey because we were so confident in his ability and, and they chose not to. And the funny thing is that uh, while they, they have a cost, the consultant definitely has a cost that is covered and you include it in your request to FEMA. That's right. And FEMA does reimburse you for the funds that you're paying to that consultant. Yep. So it's a win-win as far as I'm concerned. You know, FEMA, FEMA will pay up to 5% of um, management fees or consultant fees of the entire project. So 
you know, we're looking, um, our project may end up being somewhere around $60 million mm-hmm. when we're through. So 5% of that can be used for consultant fees. Yeah. So I, you know, again, this is, this is why we needed your expertise <laughs> and this is why well, we needed to figure out how we, you know, the uh, next, the next thing that we need to do is we need to look at some shovel ready projects to apply for f- under mitigation. Um, so what's the difference? Well, well, this is where I, I you start to lose me. Yeah, you know what's the difference between anytime, applying for FEMA and mitigation and yeah, you know. anytime anytime that we have a disaster, declared disaster in the state of North Carolina, um, a portion of that cost of that disaster is opened up for mitigation money anybody for anybody in the state. So, for an example, if the um, if the, the mountains we have a bad rock slide or a bad snowstorm and it's declared and they can receive FEMA funds, whatever that cost, a portion of that money is goes into a pot for the state of North Carolina and can be used for mitigations for us to repair things with that need that, that will help when, in the future. Uh, and it's, it's, it's very competitive because, you know, there's not, typically not a tremendous amount of money but it's very competitive. So, but if we have a shovel-ready project that we can submit, you know, we can we can certainly submit it. I think it's called this, the mitigation four hundred four. Uh-huh. We can submit it, and Do we have some projects like that. I don't know. Okay, you know, working I, on that now. Yeah, well, you know, I've been talking to them about it for a long time, and they love drainage projects. Right. So, if we've got some drainage, if we've got drainage, you know, pipes that need to be replaced and stuff like that, you know, we probably need to think about, you know, yeah, that's. That would be great. So again, Mike says, and this is great, might be good for our new assistant city manager to work with you on FEMA <laughs> issues. And that's probably a good thing because we're so excited to have Marvin Williams coming on as our new yeah. assistant city manager. And, you know, it would be good to have somebody else that has that knowledge and can really pinpoint to assist you because, you know, it's a lot of work, you know. I'm sure it's a lot of interpretation. You've had thousands you know, of hours of uh, time it, put it's, in. It's all about how and who can interpret the their, their codes, you know, and um, and then who can who win. I mean, at, we're appealing a building right now, a, a project. The um, one of our storage buildings or workshops, actually, it was the HVAC workshop was four and a half had four and a half foot of water in it. You know, and um, they keep denying it, don't they? Well, they denied it, and then they finally, they finally said that they they were going to pay um, for the building, um, for the repairs of the building. But the way the way FEMA the way FEMA works is if the building is substantially damaged, which means it has more damage, more than fifty percent of the damage of the value of the building, then it can be replaced. Right. Well, they've offered us funds to repair the building that's greater than 50% of the value of the building, but they're saying that the, the uh, code is, is, um, is too strong of a code to replace it. So they're in conflict with, <laughs> with their, their own, own flood, yeah. with their own national flood plan. That's the federal government for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, I mean, uh, our building inspectors wouldn't even issue a, a building permit to repair that building. Well, but that's where your vast knowledge of this and your experience with FEMA is so important to us. If you had not had that experience and understand the interpretation of it, it really leaves us high and dry, and we're leaving money on the table that would be useful and helpful because we need storage. We need things that will work for us. So, um, you know, I I think it's important that that knowledge, you know, and hopefully we'll get Mr. Williams up to speed. I know uh, Foster you know, he's worked a lot with it because he's had to deal with it with Parks and Rec because we had a lot of damage and repair at Union Point Park, of course, and other parks that he had to really get on. He he's he's um, up to speed on it, you know, pretty good. good. He's, well, he's had he's, he's had a lot of experience in well, the past and I think year or so. That's really really a good thing. So you know, with all this talk, another thing that you're the expert on, and I always like to talk to you about, mm-hmm. is the railroad. Oh, no. you, know, you have you have made such great strides with Norfolk Southern, you know, getting to know the people. So, you know, when I get railroad complaints, you know, you're my go to guy. And, you know, I'm continuing to get the complaint about the um, 
the blocking of National Avenue there um, all the time because they're moving the trains and hooking up trains, and you know it's so long and it it blocks it forever. And, and the I, horn, they blow the, the horn. Yeah, the horn. But the whole thing is the blocking. And I want you because as the prior fire chief. You know, p- people's concerns are emergency vehicles can't get through. What happens if there's a fire or the police are needed? So just let's talk a little bit and tell people that we have planned for that, that the cameras are there. They understand when that's going to happen, and they've got a plan B in place. So do you want to? Sure. Yeah, there's there's several ways that the um, and the fire department knows this. And let, let me just say, they have live cameras on it at all times. So when the alarm comes in, they walk right out on the floor right beside where the fire trucks are at, and they can look at the cameras and see that if, if anything it, is blocked. And and dispatch can do the same thing. Okay. So if this blocked at National Avenue, they just simply go down um, Simmons, Simmons Street. and come, come that yeah. way. If it's not blocked, uh, if, if they're coming through, um, like, towards downtown, they can scoot by downtown and go down Craven Street. And, and, so they and gain have. access. So they have, and they know in advance that, um, you know, which direction they have to go. We, you know, it's, it's kind of, um, it's kind of like if a fire truck is responding to a fire call and it becomes disabled. Right. You know, there's, there's other ways. There's a backup. There's, there's a, always backup a backup plan. plan. That's the reason why you're sending other equipment along with it. Wow. Yeah. And that, that's what's, you know, really important is that, you know, there always is a backup plan. But, you know, we've made great strides with the railroad. Now, Norfolk Southern, what a lot of people don't understand is the North Carolina Railroad, they own the tracks, mm-hmm. they own the ground. But Norfolk Southern, because they lease the tracks, has has the power, I guess what you want to say. And they kind of make, make the rules. So it is difficult at best because we finally have reestablished a relationship with North Carolina Railroad, which is good. I'm so glad, you know, Carl Warren is their new president. Uh, he's done an amazing job. Uh, Bill Bell, former mayor of Durham, is the chairman of the board, and I'm very grateful to the both of them for allowing us to meet with them and then coming to New Bern. It's been great. But Norfolk Southern is another story, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they certainly are. They, um, you know, it was, it, how I got involved with the railroad was when I was actually the interim public works director, and I got a phone call one day and. Uh, Guy said, your time frame is about to expire for your um, quiet zone in downtown. Mm-hmm. I said, well, you know, what's a quiet zone? So fortunately, and Sherry Baldry was very helpful with this as well. Fortunately, the, the gentleman um, got in his vehicle and drove to New Bern, and he helped us and walked us through the quiet zone. So the quiet zone, for people that don't know, is an area that starts at um, right there at the um, – the depot, right. So on the Queen Street, of Queen and Hancock, and and it runs all the way to the trestle, Correct. where it crosses the uh, Trent River, and which means basically is that they can't blow the horn uh, unless it's an emergency. I think there's two rules. One is they can't blow the horn, and they have to they have to drive five, five miles, miles an hour. Yes. The only exception to that is if the train there has to back. They they have to by federal law blow the horn a couple of times when they start to back up and that and that's the problem because they're doing that, it at that, two and three o'clock in the be, morning so the my residents but, are not happy. But you know the solution to this and we had worked on it for a long time and thought we had made some progress. But the solution to this whole thing is is let's get the railroad to move that switching yard down around Coast City somewhere in the country somewhere where it won't bother anybody. Right. You know, there was some, the guy that was the manager of the railroad, um, I became real good friends with because I carried him trout fishing one day. <laughs> you, you remember that? Nothing to your man. I sure do. I absolutely and, do. Although we went trout fishing, we talked railroad the whole time. And so it made things, it made life a lot easier for Newbern as a result of that. But, um, you know, we, we were making good progress on getting that switching yard relocated and then it kind of died out we're still you know we still like to we talked that was one of the issues we talked about with mr warren when he came is there any way to reroute this so that we could you know get it further out and, you know they they listen to us but i don't know that we yeah. can get any action because norfolk southern is is difficult at best but you know he said there's some other things coming down the railroad they might open up the tracks to like a, a multiple users not just norfolk southern which kind of makes it better and um, 
Uh, what about passenger? You know, we talked about that. We really did because um, many people probably don't realize, but the main tracks between New Bern and Moorhead City go right through the airport property. So if you come into the airport where the roundabout circle is and look to the left, the railroad tracks are right there. So I've always said what a great way if we had passenger service even between New Bern and Moorhead City, it could have a stop at the airport so people flying in could get down to the beach or they could get into New Bern and it would be a great way for them to do that. And, you know, the back and forth traffic to the beach would be great for tourism. People who are at the beach want to spend a day in New Bern. I mean, I just see the possibilities. And, you know, they they like the idea. They look at it. But, you know, of course, it's the cost. I don't know that you'll ever see Amtrak, even though, you know, they love the Raleigh to Charlotte route. Why don't we do a Raleigh to Moorhead City route? But um, the ears are open more than they've ever been. And that's a dream. I hope I live long enough to see or be able to get on a train one day and ride that route somewhere, even if it could go to Raleigh. Just think how yeah, many people well, it would help. We, we need for you to keep fighting for that stuff. Yeah, I, I am. Well, yeah, yeah. You just <laughs> just love to pick at me, don't you? But uh, Absolutely. I, I have been in uh, Steve Tyson's ear, our, our state representative. And, uh, of course, Mr. Bell heard me loud and clear. So did Mr. Warren. And uh, I told them how important it was. You know, it would breathe life into our depot. That would be really great. And just, you know, having people... Yeah. Uh, get it on a train would just be amazing. And Mr. Warren said they do want to do like a uh, a tour of the rail system from Raleigh probably to Moorhead. So we're in talks about that. It would make a stop in New Bern. Of course, people could get off. We could do something and then get back on the train. Um, I did get to do the train one time between Moorhead, New Bern and Moorhead when Moorhead had their 100th and 150th anniversary. And they did a big you know, celebration and actually rented, cost them $150,000 and rented an Amtrak train to go back and forth between the two cities as part of their celebration. It was really cool. You know, we had a great time doing that. Um, I got the opportunity years ago to ride in the engine uh, from Newburn to Moorhead City. And I'll tell you, that's a scary place to be. Uh, You know, it's... (laughs) Coming along, but I'm sitting here thinking, oh gosh, I hope that deer don't jump out in front of us. No, or... that's true. And you know, the other cool thing is it goes right through the um, Civil War battlefield too. Yeah. And as part of that 150th anniversary, when we went on there, they actually did a reenactment. So as you were riding the train, you saw the troops out there fighting, and it was really kind of cool, you know. And right. we have that beautiful uh, park now, the Civil War mm-hmm. uh, battlefield park, and be a great place for people to stop and get off and i just see it could be a real tourist attraction if we could make that happen and there's a lot of private railroads throughout the country one i can think of because i've taken it before is the um grand canyon railroad right and you know you can take it from there's a a city in arizona williams arizona that you can get on the train go to the grand canyon spend the night or spend the day and then come back to williams it's Mm -hmm. really cool and they got a lot of good things on there so the Good possibilities about uh, what's going on. Last thing I want to ask you, because we're going to get Bill Hannon here to talk about what he's been doing, um, is the Firemen's Museum. You know, you and I really connected back. On an airplane. On an airplane in 2001. The city had just uh, closed down the museum and said, we have no money. You know, it's not worth our time and effort and that it's done and shut it down. And uh, you and I had a long conversation. I agreed that it was worth saving. It was such an... such an important part of who we are mm-hmm. as a city. Um, first chartered fire department in the state of North Carolina that um, I began the efforts to to save it, to reopen it, reimagine it, which we did, raise funds. And I'll tell you, that was probably some of the best times for me in being able to do that. Uh, but now we've got the 2001, so 20 years later, we've got a beautiful museum in our old fire Mm -hmm. department, 1927 fire station, and it's doing great things. And I know you're still very active on the board. Of course, I've stepped back. I'm doing other things, trying to help other uh, areas of our our city. But talk a little bit about that and the importance of it and how it's doing. Well, yeah, the museum is doing great. Um, You know, we've, we've lost our our ability to do our barbecue and blue jean fundraiser because of COVID. Um, and, and now it's the, you know, some of the, um, big sponsors that we have are no longer, um, providing the products, the, the alcohol and stuff like that, that we were able to get. And, 
Um, but the museum is doing great. Um, you know that we we're working on the park next door, right? And you know we've got the the monument there for the the firefighters know. honoring the firefighters, and then um, I think they've already poured the foundation for the twin towers monument that's right. going there, which is uh, a granite. Um, uh, is I think it's an eight foot piece, a two eight foot. Um, Sections. Sections, thank you, that are uh, the, the, the uh, World Trade Center. And then there's a, um, a, a little uh, statue in the middle of it that is with the axe and the boots and the turnout gear and stuff like that. So we're doing big fundraisers for that right now. I, I just want to say, Steve and I, we're very proud to, to donate to that and be a part of that project because it's so important to us and the whole museum is. Notice you're doing a little construction. People have asked me what's going on on the front. I guess are you replacing the tiles? On yeah, the tiles that's on the balconies. They they started deteriorating, and the, the, I reckon it's from maybe the building sagging a little bit or something. But instead of them slope towards the street, they started sloping backwards a little bit, so yeah, the water, water in the building gets yeah. in there. And so um, the city crews are actually um, taking the tiles up and and um, redesigning and resloping the floor. And then they've got a contractor coming in to, to put the new tiles down. Awesome. So that's really good. You know, that building is really special to me because it's got such a unique history. Of course, it was built as a result of the fire of 22 mm-hmm. and different fire departments being all over the town. Um, the city said, sorry, everybody's coming together under one roof. The only way they would agree on that is separate but equal. Separate, though. That was the key word, yeah. was separate. Yep. And we had the button, and we had the Atlantic Company, and as you walk in there, there's that main staircase, and then there's stairs to the left and stairs to the right. They'd go up two sets of poles in the front of the That's back, right. two separate you know, rooms for uh, exact the Exact same square footage. Exact same things, but two different sides. One was painted pink and the for the button blue. company. One was blue for the Atlantic. No, no. It's, it's backwards. It backwards. Okay. Pink for Atlantic, blue for uh, the button, which were the Yankees. <laughs> which was a company that I was uh, involved with for <laughs> 20 years. So. so, you know, that building is just spectacular in its design and its history. And I'm so, so happy that the museum is there now because it should be in that building. And, um, you know, the Friends of the Firemen's Museum does a great job. So support them if you can. Uh, anytime, go and visit the museum. It's a great place to be. Um, but right now, I want to welcome our good our good friend, <laughs> Bill Hand. Hey there. And welcome you to City Talk. And, uh, of course, uh, Bill has had um, this career in theater for a long time, but he also has a career in writing. Uh-huh. And i um, telling you that uh, I'm enjoying the Newburn Growl. I think it's, it's a great piece, and it gives you lots of information in one place, a great digital piece. And... You don't have to have a subscription, and you can nope. you can read what's going on in Newburn, and I like that. So. <laughs> Bring back a little bit of uh, the local journalism we've lost some of. Yes, yes I totally agree. Well, welcome, and um, you're here to talk about your newest theatrical project, and so tell us what's going on. All right. Well, we have started uh, as if Newburn needs yet another theater group, another theater group, and um, why not? Why not? Uh, we've got a lot of talent, a lot of ac- uh, good actors looking for things to do. And uh, most importantly, we have a lot of stories to tell. And this is called the North Carolina History Theater. And um, so it's a different offshoot of sorts from, from the, the traditional stage plays. And we are emphasizing the culture and the history, especially of North Carolina, of the country in general, but especially of North Carolina. That's great. So your new mm-hmm. project, we see it up on the screen here now. She's putting it up there. Um, you're going to be presenting Orville? Yes, that was going to be our, our first production. Um, I had written this a few, three or four years ago for Tom Broughton and his group down there in Havelock and did it once. And we thought this would be a good way to introduce who we are and what we're trying to do to the community. And so we'll be doing this on Thursday. It's a, a little one-man show in which Orville Wright tells you the story of how the first invention of the airplane came about. And um, we're doing that down at Captain Raddy's, a nice little dinner and a nice little show and a little bit of talk about, hey there, welcome us. Well, that's awesome. Hey, when you get a chance and you're you know preparing for future ones, mm-hmm. 
Fireman's Museum. I'm sure there's great oh, yeah. pictures. We'd like to talk about that. And, um, you know, maybe the it will, Fire of 22 and the result of bringing them together. Mm -hmm. The two yep, companies. Yep. I could give you lots of historical information that you can We just need to find for. a good lookalike for Fred to put on stage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll just give you Fred and you can, like, you know, put him, up, put him there and... Uh, Sew a little fabric around him, carry him around on a stick. Yeah. <laughs> that, that would be a good thing. Um, so, of course, you know, the most important thing mm -hmm. you have to do is have sponsors because this right. doesn't happen by itself. So talk a little about Yes, that. yeah, we are definitely looking for sponsors. And uh, our our key piece for years, we're going to be redoing the honor play that we did a couple of years ago Which about the Stanley Spade duel. That'll be coming up in April. And uh, our, our long-term aim, even short-term, I guess, is to start bringing outside communities into New Bern to see these shows. Uh, obviously, you can play the same play inside the same town only so long if you're only promoting it among your own people. Right. But we'd like to see outside communities start coming into New Bern and saying, here, here is our story, it's also your story. Uh, kind of a kind of a, a, a low-budget lost colony type of thing. <laughs> but, uh, hopefully we can build up that budget over time. And, and, you know, I think about um, the New Bern Civic Theater, of course, the mm -hmm. premier theater in our community. And we learned last night at the downtown business meeting about their extensive renovations that they're doing inside new HVAC, right. new sound system inside the theater. Yeah, they've done extensive um, work in there. Yeah, and then the cafe next door, you know, they've taken the walls down to the br original brick and trying to program mm -hmm. and decide what they're going to do in there. But, you know, that's, those funds came through shows and people doing it so you know many most of their shows are sellouts right. so there, there's a love for theater in this community is what i'm saying so i believe over time you will yep. build yep. that and people you know it's a different sort mm -hmm. of play in that you're bringing history yeah so we'll local, be doing some local and state history we'll do some of the old classic plays to tennessee williams that kind of thing but we are trying to avoid the kinds of plays and so on that rivertown and civic right. typically do so but we're not really directly competing it's just another way. Um, opportunity to get out and do theater, which is great. And, you know, that's what this community is known for, our mm -hmm. arts, you know, performing arts, visual arts, you know. Uh, it's just incredible right. what we provide in the community. And I hear that so many times from people that have relocated here, that we have so many offerings in that area. Yeah, we're we're, we're a little New York City as far as that goes. Yeah, I, I think yeah. we're, we're one of the strongest areas in, in the arts in the state. We have been historically. I mean, we've... We call ourselves the Athens of the South, which That's is right. a little bit wrong. It was actually <laughs> Athens of North Carolina, but we decided to be a little more arrogant about ourselves now. When are you going to but, do? Uh, when will you do your presentation at Captain Raddy's? Captain Raddy's is going to be this this coming Thursday, November fourth, uh, six thirty. There's a very few tickets still left uh, because it's a not that big of a room, but the maximum of seventy we can take, and I think we've got over sixty tickets sold. But uh, if, if anyone goes to our website, which is nchistorytheater.org, you can get tickets there. And when you get it, spell it T-E-R, not T-R-E. We're American theater, not British. So, <laughs> <laughs> And having been an English major and lived that all my life, I'm insisting on, on being Americanized. Well, that's great. Shout out. Good morning, Michelle Hearn. It's always so good to have you with us um, on the show today. So... Um, you know, I just, I think people need to go to your site again. They've got it up here. Um, she's showing about Thursday, November 4th, Captain Raddy's. Uh -huh. It's a show and dinner. And, you know, that's, I love that we're bringing back dinner theater because a lot of people love that. And they yeah, like, you know, get out and I'm going to have dinner. And I I like to see more of the theaters almost sometimes with two shows. I know it's really hard to do that. Yeah. But, you know, have a show at like, six o'clock and allow people to go to the show and then go to dinner and work with a place where you can go after the theater and then maybe mm -hmm. a later show where people could go to dinner before and catch a later right. show. And I just think that would be, you know, I, I guess I'm so New York. <laughs> That's what you do. <laughs> you go to the early show or the late show and then you uh -huh. go to dinner before or after. <laughs> I'm from Pittsburgh. Really nice. We weren't that cultured up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you got the Steelers. <laughs> Yes, and if you if you ever change your loyalty, they send cops down to get you. Okay, so, yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure of that. Um, I, you know, too, 
I want to go back to the the growl because I really mm-hmm. am enjoying that, and I think it's really great. So, um, talk a little bit about what you're doing now in that realm, and that you're you know reporting. I mean, it's some of your stories and some of your mm-hmm. I yes. want to say satire sometimes. Plus, oh, uh, I tend to get that way once in a while. I tell you, the it's, article I really enjoyed was your article about redistricting with the county and the school board. Um, I found that really interesting, and that. Um, same districts, mm-hmm. same space, same amount of people, but yet they're going off on totally different directions. And it's so confusing to people. I know with the city, people can't figure out where where they vote because, of course, the city, we have the wards. Wouldn't it be nice if they could keep a ward together within their district mm-hmm. in looking at that and taking that into consideration? You got that. You got a school board district. You got a county district. Then you got a state district. It is so confusing. Yes, me. Eric has done a very good job on researching and keeping tabs on that one. Yeah. And, uh, but you did a good job in writing oh, it. It was very yeah, easy, yeah. very clear to read, you know, being able to click and look at the maps, look at the numbers. Um, I just found it really mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, and we also ran an article uh couple of weeks ago on on this the city redistricting as well uh-huh and we voted and on that the, the other night and all that and, kinds of things um i'll tell you it was uh, compared to 10 years ago when i mm-hmm. had to do it um it was a lot easier alice wilson is a gem the city of new Bern is so grateful to have it it made it really easy for right. alderman astor because everything over the river I'm, it was yeah i'm happy yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> it was easy and um you know my again we had you know some people complained about quote-unquote gerrymandering districts, but how we looked at the first ward is that all the historic areas. So if you're a historic district or historic area, you should be in that. So right. it now the first ward will include the downtown historic district, the Riverside historic district, the Ghent historic district, the um, uh, the Long Wharf area, which is called, um, I'm having a blank, so it's down Burn Street, West Street, that area, the Long Wharf area. Uh, drawing a blank. Um, but anyway, it includes all of those districts in... Drysborough. Dryborough, thank you. There you go. Um, Dryborough District, that's another historic district. Uh-huh. So all of that is included um, in the first ward, as it should be now. Uh-huh. Um, Trent Court's in there. I'll have uh, Lawson Creek, that area. Old Town is included in it. Um but you know, trying to get to that five, that mm-hmm. magic number of five thousand is difficult in the first ward. Second ward, you know, we we kind of jockeyed a little bit, but it was definitely an easier process. Yeah. no doubt about it. Yeah, we we we're having a real emphasis on on presenting to people the local news that affects you locally, and uh, the the other area where we're really trying to make up where the local newspaper has dropped as a policy, and it's not so much local, but the national company that runs the paper says this is how it's going to go. But uh, you no longer see announcements or or that type of thing uh, about events coming up in in the paper. And I've had people come up to me and they've talked to me about it. And it's, it's uh, we've taken such a, a big hit on donations and things like that because the paper's just not carrying information. People don't know about it. And that is a big mission of what we have, where we put up yeah, a lot I, of the news yeah, releases. Some of it's just see. so sensationalized. Mm-hmm. I mean, they make a headline, and the story doesn't reflect the headline a lot of times. <laughs> well, welcome to the world of clickbait. And, yeah, uh, it and really the, does. The, the little USA Todays. Yeah, but, so I'm yeah. Th- thankful to you and anybody out mm-hmm. there. You know, check out Newburn Live, where you can get the Daily Growl and uh, the Morning Growl. And I think it's really good Good journalism, good information, mm-hmm. and if you want to advertise, this is a great way to support it. Yeah, so that we, people, we need the advertising. Yeah, people it, don't have how to, we survive. They don't have to mm-hmm. you know, subscribe. That's the thing. You see the headline. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm not ranking on you, Chris Siegel. I mean, you're in the business to sell papers, and I get that. No, they, they, um, but you they, they turn subscribe. out a lot of good articles. I know still, they do, and I'm not but, saying that, but the mm-hmm. problem is there's the headline digitally, yeah. and you click on it, and you can't read it unless you're a subscriber. It'll say, you know, you've, re- you've reached your max views. You yeah, subscribe, it, And it's not expensive, but you still have to subscribe. Yeah, uh, Again, it's a national company that right. has taken over, and all the papers are following the same model. Right. Right. So, and and sometimes they're hammering round round pegs into square holes, and that that's just how it works. But so I'm coming uh, very yeah. close to my my um, end of the day. So I want to kind of wrap up here really quickly and say thank you, Bill Hand, for coming in and talk to us about mm-hmm. theater. Check it out. He does a great job. It's the NorthCarolinaHistoryTheater.org, and you'll be able to get some information on what he's doing. Of course, 
It still is. Hug Bobby Yesterday. I'm so glad that you came and joined me today. And we talked about FEMA and all the other things that we're talking. Um, I failed to mention when we opened that uh, Ghost Walk is in full swing. Um, so tonight and tomorrow night, yep. go to New Bern Historical Society and you can get your tickets. I'm, they're still selling tickets. Yeah, we were we were soaked with rain last night, but tonight and tomorrow they're going to be nice and sunny. So, so right. come on out and join come us. Come on out and join us. You'll have a great time. You know, come and see the kids. They're starting to march down Middle Street shortly. Uh, Trick-or-treating tomorrow. So much going on. Check it out. And as always, thank you for allowing us to be here and talk about uh, City Talk, what's going on in our city. And so, everybody, I'm going to see you on the sidewalks. Have a great weekend.